McNulty stunning for Emilio to get up above Cargill and find Bennett. It's into the box. McNulty cut back for Roberts. It's Gary Roberts no, from Bosby. are leading in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Mark McNulty, but a good chance by Doyle for McNulty on the edge. Mark McNulty oh, short yes. for Bosby. Smashes it past McCormack. One by Doyle. Finished by the returning Mark McNulty. First left blood for Bosby. They're in dreamland early here at Bratton. There's a through ball to Jamal Lowe. Jamal Lowe's onside. The flag stayed down. Jamal Lowe. Nonchalant. Fantastic. Brilliant. Pompey will be promoted at this rate. That is it. Pompey are champions. They won League Two in the most dramatic of circumstances. The PO4 podcast with Hugh Bunce. Proud to be Pompey. Hi, Pompey fans, and welcome to PO Forecast episode 91. Well, the fans are back at Fratton Park, and Tom Naylor can't stop scoring. Joining me today on the podcast is Andy Mitchmore. How are you, Andy? Not too bad, thank you, Hugh. How are you doing, sir? Mate, I am absolutely dandy. I'm great. I'm loving life. Pompey are looking good. And yeah, let's keep it up. Yeah, it's good to be back, man. Good to be back. <laughs> yeah, it is. so as you can tell from our happy tones today, it's going to be a pretty positive podcast, but let's kick it off. So first of all, we're going to review the game against Peterborough. Following on from that, we're going to quickly review the game against Cheltenham. And then we're going to preview the game against Ipswich. And to do that, we've got the amazing Benjamin Bloom from the Blue Monday podcast and also the Benjamin Bloom football channel. We had a really good chat about Paul Lambert, about Ipswich, how they're doing, their formations and everything you need to know to get yourself ready for the game at the weekend. Andy, let's get going, mate. Peterborough, I'm going to pass this little bit over to you, mate, because I'm going to set the scene. I didn't get a ticket. Andy did. He was there in the Fratton end, of course. He always gets tickets. You and John Westwood, you're dead certs to go to the game. How was it, mate, when you walked out into Fratton Park? I'm not sure about you putting me in cahoots in there, mate. Um, yeah, it was pretty special to be in the first uh, first home game back, to be honest with you. I, it was a nice lift to be in that in that Group C, yeah. Um, it was classic sort of standard Pompey home day in that the travel there was stressful, trains getting cancelled left, right and centre, so I wasn't actually sure I'd make it for... Um, seeing a couple of people before the game but yeah it was like just sort of going back to normal just with masks on pretty much um, yeah popped into the crook beforehand for a pie and a pint um, we went a bit bigger than the scotched egg we decided to really push the boat out a bit and get a five pound pie shout out to the crook for that um, yeah nice one but yeah it was it was so good mate in all seriousness the people who I've not seen for nine months so one of the guys from Pompey News Now um, a couple of the guys that I I have my season tickets with, a couple of my friends who I've not seen since the Arsenal game because obviously I live in Oxford and they live in Pompey. Um, but yeah, because Oxford are tier two, Pompey are tier two, I was able to come down um, and actually watch the match. So yeah, just being in Frat and on a match, a nice thing. Honestly, that Arsenal game seems like so long ago and so much has happened in the world since to everyone. Um, it's just so special to be to be back in the stadium and it kind of felt like nothing had changed in some respects it was lush um but yeah the game itself again couldn't really pick the better one i went in saying i didn't really care about the result to be honest because i mean obviously you want to win but for me it was more about that football atmosphere having the football playlist on spotify that walk down the road that drink before the game like 
yeah, but the result was a bit, just a bit of a benefit, really. Um, so the performance was, yeah, really, really strong. The players turned up. I mean, on paper, that Peterborough team is scary, especially going forward. Um, and Pompey negated it for the most part. I mean, there were a couple of chances in the first half, right? So uh, Dembele had that shot that just went wide. Um, Mac made one good save. Can't remember who. I'm guessing it was from Clark Harris, but I'm not exactly sure who it was from. Sort of close range shot in the box. Um, I think it was from Clark Harris. But yeah, it was, other than that, it was pretty uneventful defensively, I thought. Um, it was horrible conditions to play football in, uh, especially for the goalkeepers. The ball was proper slippery. There were some handling errors that are completely understandable. But yeah, I mean, I said to my mates before the game, the team is, you know, we're comfortable in the first half and then score a couple in front of the frat and end in the second half. And that's exactly what happened. So it was, it couldn't really have been much better, mate, to be honest with you. It's, I know we've all talked over the last few months about how football impacts our mental health and about how football impacts our happiness and how we feel during the week. But on my trip home on Saturday, that's genuinely the happiest I've felt since March. And I know that there's ups and downs supporting football clubs, etc. But I think I'd have felt pretty much like that, whatever the result. But the fact that we obviously won against the promotion rival kind of sealed the deal. But that was genuinely the, the most positive I've felt about things for for yeah around nine months before that Arsenal game so I think that's the big takeaway message for me mate it was so good to be back honestly no that's incredible mate I'm really happy for you and it's hard to put all this into words really but it's great to see fans going back back to the game I definitely will be heading to to the crook to get myself a pie and a pint as well when I'm down there that looks pretty good I saw a lot of other fans as well um posting pictures of, of being out as well in that in that sense and and if we just move quickly on a little bit I suppose to to the game itself as you said what performance from Pompey I mean let's be honest Peterborough didn't seem to know what they were doing they were playing a diamond formation but kept trying to push the ball wide to the fullbacks which then negates the whole reason of playing a, a, a diamond formation in the first place which is to crowd the centre of midfield um, and ultimately you know outnumber you in the middle Pompey have actually traditionally struggled against a diamond formation and struggled against teams like Charlton who have played a diamond formation against us. We get, we always try and play the ball through the middle again. It gets congested or you get forced out wide and it's, it's poor crossing, poor attempts, you know, not allowed anywhere near the box. So I was actually a little bit worried when Peter was set up for that formation, but absolutely no, no problem for Pompey. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, didn't execute that game plan well. And, concerned I know you shouldn't ever say that especially when you're one goal up but they didn't like like you say they were they were playing the ball wide when formation wasn't set up necessarily for that form of attack even the wing back uh, even the wing backs coming forward didn't look particularly dangerous I mean Thompson was largely ineffective other than a couple of standard dives and you know I think he got he got someone booked at one point I think he got either was it Brown he might have got booked? I can't remember. Um, so he got one of our players booked. But other than that, he was pretty ineffective. And we really didn't feel under pressure at any point um, in the game. So, yeah, I think, as you say, we traditionally do struggle a bit against that diamond formation. But it was uh, Peterborough just didn't execute it efficiently for whatever reason. I mean, that's very much not a Pompey problem and I'm not going to complain. And I think we should, yeah, rather than saying, uh, rather than solely focusing on Peterborough not executing the formation well I think credit where it's due to Pompey as well for not letting them execute it absolutely I think yeah you don't just say that the other team didn't turn up we've got to give credit to Pompey because they did 
Um, but yeah, it was never really a real sweat of a performance. It was, it was, it's a really weird one to be honest with you, Hugh. Um, even at one goal up, we were fairly chilled out um, and thinking, yeah, we're likely to see this out for a one goal win. A second one would be nice, but we weren't unduly worried except for, you know, weather conditions causing like McGillivray to drop a cross or something because the ball was so slippery. Yeah, other than that, we weren't concerned, which is unusual and disconcerting, but in quite a nice way. Let's keep that, mate. Let's hold on to that feeling. Let's get the team to to keep that moving. And let's talk about the goals quickly. Obviously, the first half, I think we looked we look pretty solid. I thought we had the better of the half. But again, char- clear-cut chances weren't quite there. And then suddenly we get a dead ball play. Lee Brown from the opposite side on the right-hand side on his left foot. So he can put a great in-swinging ball in there. We've talked about on the podcast how much more improved his delivery has been this season from corners, from dead balls as well. Um, So pretty happy with that. And he puts a great ball into the box and Jack Watmore's header, the angle on it, absolutely amazing. He gets up, he puts the header back across the keeper and onto the right-hand side. Great finish. Worried about him a little bit when he did the knee side. Because of his knee issues. Split I don't know about second. you. Yeah, a little split second of, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, and then he stood back up yeah. again and it was fine. So I, I, was, um, <laughs> I, was, I was happy about that. But Andy, what are your thoughts on that goal? Yeah, I think what you just said about Lee Brown is accurate, but I think I'd probably expand on that a bit, to be honest. I don't think it's just the dead ball situations. I mean, he's been a scapegoat at times in the past. Um, I think that's probably fair comment. Um, but even in the early games of this season, when we were still plugging away with that bloody 4-2-3-1 and we weren't picking up results and we were sort of 16th, 17th after a few games. Um, I'd say Lee Brown was one of the better players in the team in those games. I think he's been one of the more consistent players in open play as well as just from the dead balls. So yeah, I wouldn't say it's just isolated to his dead ball delivery, but he's definitely created a lot of chances this season. And yeah, I probably should have looked up his assist uh, stats to be honest, but I didn't. Um, but yeah, he's created a lot of opportunities and a lot of goals, um, or seemingly a lot of goals. So yeah, I do. I don't know if having competition for that left back spot has changed things at all. But I feel like he's got a bit more competition for that that first eleven starting spot. Um, but yeah, it's. I mean, I I was defending him at the start of the season, to be honest with you, because I did feel like he was getting a bit of an unduly hard time of it from some quarters. But yeah, he's stepped up and it was a beautiful delivery in um and yeah what more time just run got in between two of the peterborough players and yeah just un well pretty much unsavable into the far corner yeah absolutely that easy game and we've been saying this before that we need the centre-backs to start chipping in with goals as well in important times we saw last season after january we went on that really good run after christmas the likes of sean raggett started scoring Christian Burgess came up with some really key goals and they were really important factors into Pompey picking up these wins. We're, we're a much better team when our centre-backs are scoring. I know that sounds silly, but we actually start turning some of those draws into wins. So it's great to see that happening again with Jack Watmore. Yeah, exactly. I think I mean, in the last few weeks we've seen, even in cup games, you know, we've seen Nicolaisen score his first Pompey goal. We've seen Raggett chime in with a couple and now Watmore has as well. So yeah all of our centre-back options are showing that they're capable from those dead ball situations, which is what you want. I mean, we've got Marcus, who's obviously top scorer in the league at the moment. And as a team, I think we're the top scorers in the league. So we are creating goals going forward. But there are going to be days where we are less effective 
with our you know leading players up top. So, and those are the days where you just need a scrappy goal from a dead ball from one of your defensive players. And yeah, they've all shown that they're currently capable of doing that. Exactly. Or a wonder goal from one of your midfielders like Tom Naylor. And let's move on to that because Tom Naylor, once again... Steven Gerrard is tweeting him, he's DMing him, asking how he managed to hit a ball so well. Tom Naylor, Tom, do you know what? I was going to say I was surprised, but when I saw the ball roll out to him, Andy, I knew he was going to hit it. I mean, I think Andrew Moon even said on the commentary, and Tom Naylor will hit it from here, and he and he did. And it's sort of the same technique, isn't it, that he scored, in, that he scored on another goals as well. He hits it on the inside of his foot, but with a lot more power, actually, than other goals he scored this season. And he just keeps scoring. The 4-4-2, Andy, seems to be helping Tom Naylor. He's not just being told to sit back and defend. He's being allowed to be box-to-box. And he's realised there was a gap there that we were talking about, about linking up the centre midfield and the attackers. And he's filled that void alongside Andy Cannon. Both of them doing this really well. I'm, I'm overexcited. I'm over-talking about it. But Tom Naylor, talk us through the goal. You were sat in the front and then when it flew in. Oh, it was sexy, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> pretty much my main take. Um, Matt, we were slightly away from our normal spot in the front end so we were like slightly higher and slightly more central so we were pretty much behind the line of the shot and it, again it sounds cliche but it's one of those ones that as soon as it leaves its foot it was like well that's in there's no way that's being saved you, you just know it's going it's hitting the back of the net which is yeah it's a lush feeling when you know that sort of tenth of a second before anyone else that it's going in but yeah I mean it, as you say that inside of the foot it's the combination between power and control so slightly using the inside of the foot gives them that little bit more control but even if you take the goals out of it which is obviously a really big thing to do the last maybe four five six games his general distribution he's sort of controlling the play from midfield it's it's been more noticeable I wouldn't even say it's necessarily improved because I don't think you improve as a player in the space of four or five games probably but it's become a lot more noticeable um, or maybe the system is allowing him to do it more successfully but he's controlled play a lot more from the midfield and yeah obviously when you start scoring repeated goals from outside of the box including bangers like that it's it's not going to do yourself any harm at all but I mean you could see in the celebration what it meant to him and what a celebration, Andy. Marcus Harness and Tom Naylor both synchronised knee, knee slide. That was an absolute beauty. Synchronised ACL snaps if it all goes wrong. Ooh, <laughs> that would be tragic, but no, it doesn't matter. You know, when you risk it and it works off, not in a la 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 way, and he does that double back flip and ends up it. <laughs> when you get away with it, it's all good. Um, just touching quickly on the Tom Naylor comment you said uh, about not just the goals he's scoring, but how important he is. Uh, I saw a stat courtesy of D3-D4 football. And they said the most second balls won in League One so far this season. And it's Tom Naylor at the top there with 165 most second balls won in the in the league. Um, and then it actually, if you go down, seventh in the list is Sean Raggett, if we're interested in that as well. So that's that's an interesting stat there. Yeah, I don't have a huge comment. It doesn't surprise me that, that Naylor fell like that. Yeah. Um, as I say, I don't know if he actually is putting in those statistically better performances. Maybe he is from that stat, but just watching every single game, he's just having more of an effect on the game, mate. No, he um, is. All areas of the game, mate. Yeah, it's, it, that's fine to see. Yeah, that's my main comment on it. And yeah, as I say, if he keeps scoring bangers like that, then what is there to say other than 
give him a contract extension. That's yeah. what is there to say, because it comes up at the end of the year, and we'll talk about this in January a bit more, but obviously he's out of contract at the end of the summer, so is Jack Watmore. It's going to be difficult to get them signed under the cap if you don't get promoted, so a lot of pressure on this season for the team to get promoted to allow us to sign them up. Yeah, that's the same for a lot of sides, though, isn't it? Like, I mean, obviously that is a big deal because we know the players. I mean, that's that's the case for, you could say, eight to ten teams in League One. You look at some of the yeah, some yeah, of the teams of around us. Of course it is, but I'm not saying it's exclusive to Pompey. Yeah. I'm still saying when we're talking about the squad construction and how important these players are, they're really important and we need to try yeah. and get them signed up. Yeah, I think we found that that midfield spine. I think um, one of the, especially in the first half, Andy Cannon, yeah, was, was probably stand out for me in the first 45 uh, in terms of work ethic and actual success on the pitch and being that sort of link-up man um, and also driving at the Peterborough defence. Again, yeah, I think that that Taylor-Cannon midfield pairing is just, just there's that link there now. We, we talked at the start of the season about wanting to create a spine to the team and it was that sort of that 4-2-3-1 where you had what more get and then you had Morris um Naylor and close or Morris Naylor and whoever and they were trying mm-hmm. to find that spine to the team and I do think that with Naylor and Cannon in the middle of the park we now have that spine of the team that is a combination of a little bit savvy in terms of being a little bit you know playing the game tactfully or tactically and maybe slightly bending the rules where possible but being savvy I think that's shown by the fact they both got booked in the Peterborough game. Um, both of them picked up yellow cards. But they also, in terms of footballing ability, especially going forward, can stretch the game and really affect proceedings going forward. It's a nice balance. Um, and we know that Naylor's decent defensively because he's got that that part, that previous of playing centre-back at Burton and he filled in there for us a bit last season. So, yeah, it's a nice balance-looking centre midfield at the moment. So hopefully they both keep fit through the the next couple of months where there are lots of games because it's a really nice balanced field at the moment in that four four two formation. Just quickly before we get into anything else, I want to say that if you guys could do us a favour, if anyone's got a spare pound or two, go to the at Pompey News Now Twitter page and we're raising money for the Pompey Food Bank at the moment. There's a lot of people out there who are having a pretty shit time over Christmas in this period. So if anyone can donate even a pound, it'd be really appreciated. So have a look at our pinned tweet on the Pompey News Now channel. Uh, Hugh, I'll jump in quickly, mate, and add on to that. It was a slightly separate topic in terms of the stewarding and that on um, on Saturday at Franks. I know a lot of people are concerned about going back, understandably. Um, I felt literally safe at all times. The stewarding was excellent. Um, the... the we were socially distanced at all times. Obviously, if you, you know, you, it's up to individuals to do that, but um, we obviously did. Um, in terms of the queuing system getting in, it was sensibly done in terms of scanning, um, only getting into your stand through one entrance. It was just, it was a good experience. So, yeah, thank you and fair play to the, the stewards who ran the, you know, ran the event as a whole. Um, and to people who aren't sure whether or not they should feel safe going along, I would say that. Yeah, absolutely. The systems that Pompey have put in place are as good as they could be. Um, yeah, exactly. That's, and just, just I think they need to have there. that shout out. If Andy is feeling safe there, he's a complete wuss, so you'll be fine. Mate, why do I keep coming on this thing? Seriously. <laughs> One week I'm an alcoholic, the next I'm a womanizer, the next week I'm a wuss. Like, what, what are we doing? Your words, not mine. All right, let's move literally, on. Guys... Literally your words, mate. <laughs> let's move on. The truth hurts. Um, okay, so the fans are back at Fratton and I went out to you guys and said, hey, 
Is this enough, the Pompey 2-0 win, to convince you guys that the Blues are genuine automatic promotion contenders? That's right. That's the excitement in my voice. Is it shared by you guys out there? So we went out to you guys on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and you guys came back to us. So thank you very much again. Um, Jimmy Milne uh, messages in and cheers, mate. He goes, for me, there's still too many mistakes being made at the back. Peterborough's narrow formation suited our defenders, agreed, and left room for Curtis and Harness. Not sure that Williams rolled in the squad, though. Hawula is a natural striker. Why not play him? Williams rolled in the squad, was? Oh, William. He means Williams, generally. Um, yeah, I agree. I think I think the fact is that, I mean, Williams is a very Marmite player. Some people listening to this will absolutely love him for his work ethic. And some people out there will be wondering why he's playing, really, considering his, his striking, finishing and assist ability is pretty low. Um, and if, if you want to read a bit more about that, actually head over to the Pompey News Now website. There was a fantastic article written about that as well. Um, I believe it's out now. I think Freddie Webb was writing it, but there we go. Um, yeah, so um, what are your opinions on this then? Hawula to start? I mean, he scored twice tonight, hasn't he? So um, <laughs> he's definitely put a bit of a marker down. I I mean, in terms of starting, Marcus is, you know, top scorer in the league. I guess in terms of coming in instead of Williams, I'd rather see Harness play up top. Um, to be honest with you, I think he's shown how good he is there and he's going to score more goals in the long run. Uh, Pompey has a message in. Cheers, mate. He says, if we put in a few a few more good performances this month as we're playing some tough teams, then I think we can at least get close to the top two. Andy? Yeah, I mean, I think this month is a big one, right? Um, in terms of teams we're coming up against. So obviously we've had Posh. Uh, we've got Ipswich and Hull coming up as well. And I think we've got Charlton as well in the near future. So yeah, we've got big games coming up so I think this time next month we'll have a very good idea of where we're going to end up because we're starting to see trajectories into this is the time of year where it's important to hit form right that Christmas New Year spell um, and we're starting to see which teams are moving in which direction so Peterborough have lost what, four in a row in the league or four out of five in the league and a free falling yeah. and other teams are starting to climb like us so yeah I think there's no reason not for optimism at this moment in time now we've moved to this this formation change yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. And I think when we come to the new year, we will see where whereabouts we are and what this team is completely made of. Yeah, it's all it was, about consistency in League One. It's we're still waiting for Jacobs, mate. Jacobs is coming back in the next week or so as well. He'll give us a bit more depth and he looked really good before he picked up his injury as well. So if players can stay fit and Jacket rotates appropriately, then yeah, absolutely. And he'll have to as well. We need to be able to protect some of our players. People like Curtis, if they're fatiguing, let's get them off. Let's bring someone on during the game. We've got five substitutes now to use during games. We need to rotate and use players during games like that to keep everyone fit and make sure we don't get any issues with that. Um, moving on quickly, Liam messaged in. Cheers, Liam. He says, we've got the quality. We just need to be more consistent. As I feel we drop points against teams we should be beating. Definitely looking more positive since the change of formation. Don't think I could handle the playoffs again. Me and you, me and <laughs> us too as well, Liam, mate. I do not want to do the playoffs. I can see it now. Sunderland somehow scraping after Lee Johnson turns their form around and we get bloody Sunderland away. I'm not having it again. Oxford aren't getting into the playoffs. They're fucking rubbish. So I'm glad about that. They can do one. But yeah, that's where it is. I'm I'm also thinking that consistency is the key. I agree with Liam. I'm quickly nice moving on, to... on, mate. It's good to see you sit on the fence. Always, always um, worried to have an opinion. I like it. Worried to have an opinion in what sense? No, no, I'm I'm being sarcastic, mate. You you just say what you mean. I like it. Jack Chapman messaged it on Facebook. Cheers, mate. He says, more results against bigger sides need to follow. 
let's see where we are after Christmas. Let's not get carried away. Well, Jack, at the moment, and probably just for today and a few days after, I'm getting a little bit carried away. And that's just because of some positivity flowing around me. Maybe it's because the fans are back at the club. Maybe it's because we actually look like a complete team. But I'm getting a little bit excited, mate. And probably you're, you're probably right. Um, Dave Morgan messes in. He goes, we always seem to be the promotion contenders regardless. Just need to keep up some sort of consistency and get some luck along the way. Tough league to get out of. Andy, consistency. Everyone's saying it. Consistent, consistent. Is there anything else that you, you think that we should be doing? Or Just consistent, isn't it? Um, you know, like in terms of beating the teams around us and teams at the top of the table, we've got them coming up in the next few weeks, haven't we? So, yeah, they, of the opportunity is there for us to beat the teams around us. Obviously, we've we've taken out uh, or taken down Peterborough in that last game. Uh, we beat Lincoln a few weeks ago, who are second in the table now. Um, Charlton was a bit of a, a reality check, but we've got the opportunities against those teams around us in the next few weeks to to state our case. Yeah, massively. And it's not just being consistent across the season now. It's being consistent when it counts. So let's step up against these big teams. Let's put some points against them. And then hopefully we can start climbing the league again, back up to the auto. So someone who doesn't agree with us, Peter Fergood. Thank you for messaging in, mate. He says, automatic? No. We've thrown away too many points against teams we should be getting through against. Automatic spots up are teams that are inconsistent. And so far, Hull are the only ones showing any form of consistency throughout the first period of the season. But it's still early days. I feel we'll be up for it there, but it's going to be a dogfight for playoff promotion again. We have found out a way form. Our home form is on the up, and with the fans there, it could make all the difference. Football is a funny game, as they say. On the plus side, we have found out our starting eleven have good rotation players and finally adapted to the 4-4-2 formation. As always, I remain positive, but we can't turn blind to the drop points. Equally, we had a terrible start to the season, so who knows? Peter, actually, mate, that was a lot more positive when I actually read the post through than I actually initially thought when I said <laughs> you disagree with us, mate. So apologies if I, I react a little bit harshly. I should probably read these comments before reading them out on the podcast, really. But, you know, I like to have a natural reaction rather than just scripting it. But, yeah, no, I agree with you, mate, to be honest. And it is going to be a difficult side. The league is extremely close this season. It's not, And it was last season as well. There's not too much in it. And this is why it's so important that Jacket gets the rotation right. He makes sure that everyone's playing to, to the best of their abilities, motivated, and we get the results when it really matters, like the games against Ipswich and the games against Hull coming up. Right, cool. Cheltenham, the young player's got a good start. I, I was pretty impressed with it. Haji Minoga gets his first goal for the club. I want to mention that as well. Congratulations, Haji, mate. You're a ledge. We know that. We spoke to you on the podcast and you know, really happy for you, mate, as you sort of make an impression, really, to be not counted as one of the academy lads, but really counted as part of the first team squad now, mate. And that goal, um, hopefully, it just brings more, even more confidence, mate. Yeah, exactly, mate. Uh, it was a pretty, pretty solid performance, wasn't it? it looked like a, a fairly youthful team on paper. Uh, obviously, you've got kind of a Again, that four of the side there are pretty uh, pretty experienced in terms of that sort of defensive centre part of the team. Um, but yeah, the young players all looked solid. Uh, Charlie Bell and Morris looked pretty good alongside each other. Um, Stanley linked up well with Hawula. And yeah, again, some of the young, younger players got on as well. And it was nice to see Haji get his first goal for the club. A decent little finish, wasn't it? Was that... 
it nice was tidy, to see him come mate. through the ranks. To use a, a Welsh phrase that you've used occasionally, it's tidy. Um, I, I, I liked it in particular. Um, okay, to talk about Geordie Wheeler quickly. Again, two goals. The second one, you know, the keeper probably should have done better about it. First one, nice one, good finish. Happy about him. A lot of people think he should start. My opinion is let's get him on the bench. Let's bring him on as an impact player. When players are tired, when people's legs are lagging and defenders give a little bit less coverage, that's when you want a striker to bring on who's got that that instinct, that that quick pace. You can scare them and get a goal. And uh, if he can start scoring in the league from off the bench and you know with the five substitutes, Jacket should be using them, then we start to bring him on and we actually um, give him a start if he deserves it. But for now... Make an impact off the bench, Geordie, and keep it up, mate. Because three goals and two in three appearances is pretty good, mate. Pretty good. Um, okay, so we're going to go and talk now to Benjamin Bloom from the Blue Monday podcast and the Benjamin Bloom football channel. Um, it was a really, really interesting chat, talking all about things that are going on for Ipswich, Paul Lambert, etc. But let's just get into it. Here's my chat with Benjamin Bloom from the Blue Monday podcast. Hi then, I'm here now with Benjamin Bloom from the Blue Monday podcast and the Benjamin Bloom football channel. And Benjamin, thanks for having coming on the show. Well, th- this is going to be great, isn't it? It's a Pompey fan and an Ipswich fan, surely two of the most depressing clubs over the last 10 years in the entire 92 chatting at the same time. But we, we, we're going to have a good fun chat though, aren't we, Hugh? Yeah? Oh, definitely, mate. You know, the two, the two glorious blue podcasts here with a love, <laughs> love for their managers. So, um, yeah, it's going it's to be a cracker, mate. And let's, let's kick it off there, actually. Let's start on, uh, on the elephant in the room in, in Ipswich and stuff. And I've seen there's been a lot of, from an outside point of view, interesting interviews coming over from Paul Lambert, who seems to have an absolute distaste for anything to do with the Ipswich press at the moment. <laughs> um, just just from, a, from a geeky pod side, a podcaster to another, mate, what's it like being in that Ipswich media circle at the moment? Um, gnarly at the moment, but Hugh, it was exactly the same with McCarthy about two years ago. So there's... There's this idea that our ever our owner, excuse me, Marcus Evans, um, basically, and managers like this, but fans don't like this, is very happy to just hand over his club to a manager and basically let him do what he likes, which is great if you're a manager because you're you know you're running a you know, historically um, sort of valued club. However, there are no checks and balances as it pertains to um, PR. At times, so obviously you probably all had a good laugh at um, Ipswich scoring away at Norwich and Mick McCarthy literally telling us to f off on the telly. Um, now we have Paul Lambert, a um, gruff Scotsman, um, being very blunt and um, very cross in the press conferences. Um, look, part of me understands his frustration, and part of me thinks this is the situation you end up in. But I can imagine you from the outside just thinking, oh my God, what a, what a mess. What, what is going on there? But um, yeah, uh, very strange. And he's, he's gone down the aloof route after the win at Plymouth. It was, oh, I've got things on my mind. Oh, I know how to stop the negativity. So he, he's gone from attack position to aloof position now, but it's, it's, it's all very tedious, isn't it? It's 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 a quite an interesting one, isn't it? Because it's it's very similar a little bit to the situation at Portsmouth with Kenny Jacket and other fans ask me on their podcast when I come on in and they go, Hugh, you know, you're sitting in you're sitting in fourth, you're sitting in third or whatever, you know. <laughs> little you know, do why they are know. Pompey fans having a massive go and why do they want Kenny Jacket out? 
and now I think that that balance maybe is tiltering a little bit at the moment um, and we can get into that later but I think it's from an Ipswich point of view I, I'm looking at the stats I mean in expected goals you sort of think it's 12th or 13th or something in the league minus 12 points and where you are and when I'm watching your performances I'm thinking maybe Ipswich are in a bit of a false position would you would you agree at the moment that at at this second in time you're not a team that looks like they're going to finish third <laughs> absolutely <laughs> Um, I mean, look, Ipswich fans get fed up of me saying this, but at the start of last season, um, we were not conceding any goals, winning every week and flying up the top of the league. And I went away on holiday and I came back and we played Shrewsbury, right? And um, the game kicked off and Shrewsbury had a couple of really good chances, didn't score. We scored with our first chance. Then Shrewsbury got a player red carded and then we're tuning up at halftime, absolutely coasting, top of the league. And I went to see my mate and I said, Dave, I don't get it. We're not very good. How are we, how are we winning every week? What, what's, what's going on here? I, Shrewsbury were by far the better side in that half. They had a man sent off for two stupid yellows. We scored our only two shots on goal. And I think what was happening was... Um, the, the the benefits, and I mean, you'll get told off for saying this, but it's true. The benefits of being a larger League One club means you can have a bit of a bigger squad. And I think often in the early months of the season, you you can win games by having simply by having better players than than the other team and sort of bullying your way through. And then as the season goes on and teams get into their stride, the the truth outs, doesn't it? And you know, teams like Oxford and Fleetwood who grew during last season all of a sudden turn up and look way more organised and, and and better than you and you start losing and um, yeah so the I'm glad you've looked at the XG stats because I'm sure you get it with the Kenny Jacket stuff of people calling you selfish and grumbly and all of that things but when you watch every week you understand whether a team is a good team or bad team maybe slightly getting a little bit lucky or unlucky or what have you. And um, that's been the case under Lambert in League One. We've won a lot of games by having a bigger squad and, you know, wearing the other team down in the end. But when we've come up against well-organised teams with a good pattern of play, we have not beaten any of them. And how would you define that pattern of play for Ipswich? What, what is the style? If you look at, if you look at, say, Oxford, for instance, they are a, a passing movement team. They're all about intricate small passes. You know, NK Dons, you could say, for instance, in you know, the extremity of that, uh, with possession-based football. But when I look at Ipswich, I, I thought that the style you guys are going to play, I and mean, when I've seen you, would be a, a passing system, really, where you play short passes, you build up from the back, and then you try and get the ball forward. But then you go out and sign Ollie Hawkins from us. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, wait a sec. I've seen this tactic before at Portsmouth. And and he really does well when you get the ball quickly up to him, long. Um, and he brings the ball down and he, play, he brings other people into play. That doesn't seem to have worked that much now. I think at the start of the season, he had, had a little bit of a run where he looked all right. How's Ollie Hawkins settled in? And has does he define Ipswich style up front? Does he fit into it? Or is he just the odd man out? Um, oh God, there's so much to say on that, Hugh. Great questions. Can I come to Hawkins in, in just a second? Let me just talk yeah. about the pattern of play. You've nailed it. You've described exactly what Paul Lambert wants Ipswich to be, but he and his his coaches are incapable of delivering. So he wants us to be like Carl Robinson's 
Oxford and play through the thirds. And then we had this hilarious look at our heat map after every game. And it's all it's all good. It goes to the centre halves and then it goes out wide and then it goes into central midfield and then it goes back out wide and then it stops. <laughs> so it seems like they have the in the best interest, honestly. And as a football fan, you you love to see it work, but they want to play through the thirds. I don't think they know how to coach it. And you've just mentioned Ollie Hawkins and I've already talked about League One. League One is simple. You you have to be competent. That's what you have to be. You don't have to be like in the championship, Chris Wilder's Sheffield United or Norwich under Farker or Bielsa's Leeds. They're really good, well-coached teams. In League One, you have to not make very many mistakes. You have to... Um, Play the percentages sometimes. Look, don't get me wrong. If you're like Coventry last year and you can play through the first and you do it well, you'll win the division. But look who else went up last year. Rotherham and Wickham. Very nicely organised. Keep the distance from back to front short. Don't make too many mistakes. Uh, force mistakes from the other team. Score goals from uh, crosses. Throw in set plays. And they both got promoted. So what we have at Ipswich is... Um, an overcomplication of what it takes to actually do well in this division. Yes, we all would love to see our teams pass the ball and create loads of big chances and have 75% possession. But we all know that when a team tries to do that and can't, it's just tedious. And you have these ludicrous games with 70% possession and three touches in the opponent's box or 0.02 XG, like you're saying. And then the other team... Uh, defends well, creates a couple of big chances um, from either open play or set play and wins wins the game. So um, that would be the pattern of play thing. Um, the Ollie Hawkins thing is, is just maddening because when Paul Lambert came, he wanted to play 4-3-3 and he wanted to play a sort of big physical striker with two narrow forwards. And you'll be very familiar with a gentleman called Ellis Harrison who was sold by Paul Lambert, who one would think would have been exactly the right type of player to play um, in the middle of, of a three. Pretty good in the air, pretty good physicality. Um, you know, okay, he's not done it above League One level yet. He may still do in his career, who knows. Uh, but he was farmed out. Um, and then Lambert changed system about 50 times. And then he complained about not having a physical presence up front. And so... Ollie Watkins was brought in. Ultimately, you said odd man out. He probably is just going to come off the come off the bench. There's there's James Norwood there who would probably be the best bet to do that job. He's had injury issues. Caden Jackson's good at this level, but I'm not describing a striker who's going to uh, bring other players in. I'm describing a striker there who can run in behind with a partner. So, as you can see, it's all so confusing and you know, the the actual philosophy is so kind of unclear or not executed very well that that that's where we are with the with the pattern of play and and, and with um Mr. Hawkins, your ex player. It's interesting there. Um because when you talk about Ellis Harrison in particular, um, we joke around on the podcast of describing him as Ollie Hawkins plus, 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 because he's not only can he bring <laughs> players into play, um, he can he heads the ball better than Ollie Hawkins because he can jump higher. Um, but not only just that, but he actually gets in behind and he does score goals for us as well. Um, so he can run the channels as well. So, uh, Yeah, to a certain level. He's got a little bit of flat recently, but you know what? Fans are fickle. But generally, yeah, he is popular. Um, 
pretty popular. I remember when he came back and he ran through a Sunderland player from the first whistle, just ran straight through. It was a half <laughs> and he just went straight through him. The guy tried to block him off. Um, and Ellis is generally a pretty popular player. Um, he's, he's got a big personality, hasn't he? He, well, what has happened is, and this is what I'm going to say for Ipswich, and maybe we'll see if this is, if this is uh, relative or not. But um, basically, Kenny Jacket was playing a 4-2-3-1 effectively. Um, and with Marquis up front on his own, with Curtis on one side of him and then, you know, Williams or Harness on the other side effectively and a 10, which we didn't have. Um, that system wasn't working and the striker up front was pretty isolated on his own. So John Marcus is up front on his own, chasing a ball round. And imagine Jackson, for instance, isn't a player to, to hold the line as well. In a similar way to John Marquis there, who you really can't hold the line up front on his own. So instead he changed the system. The system that he was thinking he wanted to play, the 4-2-3-1, constantly, wasn't working. And eventually, under immense pressure from the fans and everyone in the media, he's changed it to put two up front, which is what's changed Pompey's um, circumstances around. Suddenly, John Marcos is the top goal scorer in the league. Suddenly, we've got players making real impacts. Suddenly, the central midfielders can score goals. Are you Ipswich telling me, got you the players, that... mate. Ipswich you... got the players. Are you yeah? telling me that if you don't completely overcomplicate it, play the percentages and um, stick your 11 best players on the pitch that you might do well in League One. I am. And I'm also <laughs> telling you that maybe if you stick someone like, I don't know, Hawkins, Jackson or whatever, and you find a partnership up front and well, you play the system like that, maybe your whole well, season turns around. That was the run at the start of last season. We we essentially, we played 4-4-2 and we played counter-attack with Norwood and Jackson up front. And the idea being that actually worked was that you've kind of got a big squad and there's a lot of players who've played at championship level, not very successfully, albeit most of them. But you've got two decent strikers, keep it tight at the back, um, create a couple of big chances per game for them. And we were we were winning 1-0 all the time. And that was the simplistic um, thing that worked. And don't get me wrong, I would love to go and watch Ipswich and for them to play beautiful football. But by the same token, if our staff cannot coach that, I'm also very, very happy for them to say that this is what we know how to do. This is what we've got. And I mean, it, just when you talk about Portsmouth and Ipswich, the, the comparisons just seem to be so staggeringly similar, don't they? Um, you know, with a kind of long in the tooth manager who's who's a little bit stubborn, a sort of club that's probably generally over its history been above the level that they are now, a squad of good players, some, you know, sense of underachievement and all of that. And um, maybe Lambert will come round to what Mr. Jacket has done and just 4-4-2, dead straight forward, um, defend two down the sides, stick two up front and counter-attack. And that might well be more successful than his um, failing attempts at the moment to to be the, the Pep Guardiola of, um, of League One, <laughs> Scottish Pep. We'll talk about Scottish Pep. He's, um, he's apparently on the radar of Celtic, isn't he? Well... Can you can you imagine 20 that? 20 to we, 1 on the radar, but still. Hugh, we were joking last night in our WhatsApp group. What will happen, right, is that um, Lambert will <laughs> Lambert will obviously be off like a shot if there's any interest in that, won't he? There'll be there'll be no loyalty. And what will happen is they'll all agree terms. Celtic will refuse to pay the compensation and Marcus Evans won't have it and we'll end we'll end up keeping him do you know what I mean and uh, we won't get out of that four-year contract but um, don't get me wrong by the way if anyone thinks I mean Pompey fans will understand because of Jacket 
if he starts winning and, you know, doing what we deem to be a sort of sensible, good job, fine. But it's, it's not happening. But yes, um, he often talks about having played for big clubs. In fact, he does it every single press conference. So uh, I'm sure that would be right up his street. Although I dare say um, Celtic, although, I mean, Neil Lennon was, I suppose the difference was that he'd done that job before. But he was essentially a, a League One manager that they took. But before then, they had Brendan Rodgers, who was clearly a, 10 levels above above that. So we'll see. I'm, I'm sure um, that could be a solution that everybody is is um, is happy with, maybe Lambert to Celtic. But we'll see. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll see. Um, just having a look at how you're going to play then. So let's look towards um, the future and stuff. We sort of covered the, the, how the fan base feel. I, I, I'm looking at the four-three-three. Pompey are going to probably play a four-four-two. Um, and if we play Marcus Harness up front with John Marcus, it will actually be in a sort of more of a false nine role, really. So just dropping off off the striker and creating space around him. How are Ipswich going to combat that? You know, how do you feel that they're going to attack Pompey? Will they just use their, the same system they used the whole time and, and just go for it? Because we've played you earlier on this season. And to be fair, you guys put out a pretty decent performance with a, you know, a second rate B team, really, let's be honest. Well, he won't do anything to combat um, Pompey's 4-4-2. So um, we'll, we'll see because on paper... In theory, if it's coached well, 4-3-3 outnumbers 4-4-2 in central midfield, doesn't it? But again, I reiterate if it's if it's coached well. Um, so we will we will play that system. Caden Jackson did start in the last game. I mean, um Armando Dobra also started, who's a good young player who Lambert has been very stubborn about, exactly the same way Mick McCarthy was with Bursant Selena, a kind of flair player who all the fans want to play. And um, the manager then gets more and more entrenched in in not playing them. Um, the, the, the difficult thing is that history says if we come up against a competent, uh, well coached League One team, we lose. That's what that's what the history of the last couple of seasons uh, say. I mean, maybe you can and um, can't write off the FA Cup thing because. Um, uh, obviously, hopefully, even you would admit the uh, winning goal was slightly spurious. Uh, one of the more offside-looking goals. Of- so tragic for you as well, isn't it? Between <laughs> Sean Raggett, who uh, he scored it. Of course, yeah. Okay. To be fair to Sean Raggett, um, I remember him playing on loan at Rotherham, and this was horrible, Hugh. Right? Um, yeah. We he basically got his teeth knocked out right in front of me and I just remember feeling so sorry for him and there was a moment where the Rotherham physio tried to pull his tooth out right in front of me in the stand and I thought you you poor guy we we boo footballers and you know when they go down and um people from the other side of the ground would have been like oh what's going on there and he's, you know he had, he had to go off I mean, got he's hard as nails mate isn't he he still doesn't replace that too he didn't even care you know if I was a footballer I might actually have just gone out and got, got a fake one in my veins. you know what I mean yeah. Yeah. He's like, got the, nah nah mate no need no need for that not I'd have got the but he, he's not replaced it has he no he's just got the tooth missing at the front yeah well, that, that happened at Ipswich then. Uh, I, can't, I can't remember exactly what, what happened. It was Obviously, it was Paul Warren's Rotherham against Paul Lamp. So it was, it was a bit of an agricultural um, game, that one. But, like that. Um, that caps all round, right? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. But oh, I feel so. You always see that at cricket, don't you, where they snap the player's finger mm. back in, don't you, when, they, when they've tried to catch the ball or what have you. So, um, look, the idea is that we'll play a 4-3-3. Uh, with a couple of young centre-backs and our incredibly experienced 
um, fullbacks. And obviously that system is predicated much on the fullbacks' ability to to get forward, but they're Luke Chambers and Stephen Ward. So there's obviously some possible joy on counter-attack situations, especially if you've got people like Curtis um, wide getting in behind a, a Luke Chambers. That that could be very um, good for, for Pompey as well. Um, there's the Ellis Harrison thing, because um, uh, between you and me and the gatepost, I think Ellis Harris wanted to go to Sunderland um, and Paul Lambert then didn't let him go on the loan and then didn't play him. So I'm sure Ellis Harris be, Harrison would be quite happy to score against uh, a Paul Lambert team, put it that way. And um, it's the whole a long come Ipswich, every ex-player will will score past Ipswich at some point, won't they? So um, have a look out for Brett McGavin, young player in central midfield. Andre Dezel might well be back. As you said, we've got loads of good players. Yeah. We we really do. But if they're... Um, if the if the pattern of play doesn't link up and you know it's it's all a bit slow and tedious, Kenny Jacket will have this all all scouted. And oh, he's a bit masterminded, mate. Definitely, he'll, but he'll he'll literally say right mid low block and just wait for them. Do you know what I mean? Because they'll mm. they'll get it up to the fullbacks, and if we're in position here and we don't outnumber you in central midfield, quick turnover in behind the fullbacks, and it doesn't matter how much possession we have you'll have the big chances in the XG. So that's the that's the obvious concern, Hugh. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting game because I actually do feel that this is... You know, we beat Peterborough at the weekend too now at home. It, it was probably the best one of the best performances of the season, just the way it was a, a total performance. Uh, but then you look at the game before, went away to Blackpool and it was a toothless performance and we looked absolutely lost actually away um, at Blackpool. So this side's very inconsistent with Pompey, you know, scoring the most goals in the league at the moment currently, looking dangerous going forward without dominating possession as well. As, as you say, it sort of fits into the storyline, what we were talking about. But I think either manager winning this game will take credit as this is maybe a stepping stone to pushing forward. You know, we're, we're third and fourth in the league at the moment. If Paul Lambert gets to, a, say, a big result against Portsmouth here and then that pushes you up the table, he can try and claim that more as a, a you know, we can beat these big teams. This is a serious, we're a serious promotion team here. You know, despite all this negativity, look what we're doing, beating the big teams in around us. And I think it'll be, the same will be said for us on our side as well. So it's not one of those games you can say it's a, People say a six-pointer or whatever. But, you know, in this league, it is pretty close, actually. Um, and come down the end of the season, it might be a few points in the difference in automatics and uh, getting in the playoffs. So let's get into the score prediction time, mate. Um, I'm going to throw it over to you first. And I'm going to say, what's your prediction for the game on Saturday? Well, Ipswich have traditionally lost these sort of games 1-0, um, whereby you know, possession and um, as we've said, and then a Marquis or a Curtis or a Harness, a little bit of quality scores, we huff, we puff, make a load of substitutions and don't score. So you made a really good point. Um, this would be a um, more, more so, I think, for Ipswich than Pompey because Pompey did get into the playoffs in the end last season, didn't they? Only lost on penalties. So um, whereas Lambert just has not won this type of um, this type of game, so it would be a uh, um, you know stick in the ground or wave your flag performance or whatever you want to whatever you want to call it. But historically, it points towards a, a nil one home defeat in in the way it's gone. I don't know whether Pompey will have any extra sort of confidence from having turned up and 
having won at that stadium, um, you know, just a just a month or two um, ago. So I, I hope that's not the case, and I hope we get a um, a lovely complete performance uh, and the pattern of play works. But there's just not a lot of evidence to to, to say that. And and again, you look at the victory at, at Plymouth at the weekend. Well, we were a goal down, and it was a red card that essentially swung the game. I always use the word viable or sustainable when I look at a result. Is is a 2-1 turnaround against a team that went down to 10 men viable or sustainable? No, it's not. So um and that's that that's the that's the worry. What what is your view? Um, I actually reckon there's going to be a few goals in the game. Uh, not not a mass amount, but I do think that both teams are capable of scoring. Pompey do have a um, will concede a goal usually. I mean, didn't, we didn't against Peterborough. Peterborough didn't really come out against us at all in that game. Um, I don't know why, but they played a, a diamond formation, a narrow diamond, then insisted on trying to get the ball wide constantly, which didn't make any sense. I know Darren Ferguson's got a lot of abuse from Peterborough fans on that, and he actually had to come out and say, I don't know why they were playing like that. They're supposed to be playing the ball through the middle. So I'm not going to... If only I'm they not... had a manager to tell them to do that, hey? <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> So it's not just us, but um, yeah, no. So I, I think that, you know, watching the game before, I think you'll get a goal as well. I'm going to go for a 2-1 Pompey win. I'm going to be optimistic because every time I'm negative, it seems like we win and then I have to keep apologising. So let's go, for two, <laughs> let's go for a 2-1 Pompey win, I think, but it could go either way in my in my books. I wouldn't be surprised to see us um, to lose 2-1 either. So 2-1's my scoreline. But mate, cheers coming on the podcast. It's been great. Okay. Can I just ask you a quick question? Yes, mate, go for it. Um, just in the comparisons between Ipswich and Pompey, I've often thought this, because um, mm. Ipswich have had this god-awful, slow, slow, horrible, horrible decline, right? Whereas Pompey, you know, you have the FA Cup win and then you have a very fast decline and then the fight back. Yeah, yeah. Would you Would you switch? And obviously you'd have to probably give up an FA Cup win and a major trophy We to you know, not have had that really chaotic, fast decline. Because it feels like the two clubs have ended up in the same place. Ipswich mm. have done it very, very gradually. And Pompey obviously went down very fast. It, is, there, is there any part of you that would exchange places with, with, with us? Do you know what? I thought about this before, right? And it's quite an interesting one. It's sort of like, right, if you had a really, really, really smoking hot crazy girlfriend slash boyfriend who you've gone out with and you've had a massive car crash of a thing you've had the great ups and the great downs and you, and you go off it and rather than having that really boring life where you've not actually gone out of anyone at all but you just sat at home on your own and it's been shit to mm. a certain level uh, do i would i give it up no no i'll do it the same why not do you know what because mm. we came through it the other side if the thing is though the risk would have been if we went out of existence for it it was definitely not worth it if we uh, that's the lost thing the club it? for the for that fa cup win yeah then it would have completely changed my decision around the other way but they'd be honest the club's chronic lack of investment over the you know infrastructure over the years training ground youth academy all this kind of stuff is really the reason for part of the reason for the downfall we need to build up again. So we're in a false position in the Premier League in that sense, really, on, on um club structure. So yeah, no, I you know what? I wouldn't I wouldn't change it. I'll keep it as it is. We got the whole fan ownership, but it's, it's changed changed the way the fans are, I think. And yeah, it's I'll, just I'll, interesting I'll to, it. to look at it and to see, you know, literally one place apart in League One, probably, you know, and I know other fans call us arrogant for saying it, but 
It's not. That's that's their issue. I'm sorry. That's other fans being defensive. That's look a at the history. Mentality, isn't it? Yeah. Look at the history and generally, uh, if, for God's sake, Ipswich hadn't been in the third tier for 60 years. So it's not um, unreasonable for me to say they're currently below their normal level across their history. That's a that's a fact. That's not. Um, I sound like David Brent there. That is the fact. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not arrogant at all. But um, yeah, it's just very interesting how they've how they've both got there. Can I just quickly do a a plug for a video I did um, yes, mate, on my now. channel the other day, which is quite fun for Pompey fans. Uh, I ranked all of the championship second tier top scorers um, from worst to best. And obviously um, you have Mr. Todorov and Mr. Mr. Whittingham. So mm. you might see how, how high um, they came in my list. So just ch- check that out over on the Benjamin Bloom uh, football channel. One of a few teams to have two of the championship top scorers. And that tells you a lot about Pompey's level over the last 30 years when they've got two of the top, the golden boot winners in the division above they are now. So check that out on YouTube. Will do. And um, obviously we'll, we'll link the show back to you anyway. So uh, people, you can just click on the link. You've got the podcast from, um, check out Benjamin's profile and, you, and you'll be able to see that right there as well. So um, mate, it's been great having you on the show. Um, anything else before we, before we go? Yeah, I've just, kept you longer than I thought. No, just just good luck, and um, we're kind of kindred spirits, Ipswich fans and and Pompey fans. We're like like we just said, we're we're in the same we're in the same boat. Um, we've got there different ways, haven't we? Like we just discussed, and you know, just just good good luck, really. And um, it's a great club. I think they're both great clubs, and um, I think everybody listening to this would probably join me in saying it'd be nice if they were both back up um a level but hey you are where you are and it is what it is and all of those cliches but yeah that would just be my my message to Pompey fans I've always always sort of um in, enjoyed enjoyed the club and um just good luck yeah and let's let's try and get promoted rather than those little small tin pot clubs around us like Sunderland, <laughs> you said that Sunderland, but- Sunderland and Charlton right <laughs> oh god they well uh, they'd have an argument of being even bigger not Charlton but Sunderland you know I can understand them being even more depressed than, than us lot, but nah, it, yeah. They're all go. good. They're loving life really now. They're loving it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, mate, thanks a lot again. Cheers. Appreciate it. My pleasure. <laughs> all right, cheers. This podcast is a proud member of the FanHub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with FanHub to put fans first. Search FanHub app to play your part in the journey. Andy, mate, that was a proper laugh talking to Benjamin. I hope everyone enjoyed listening to it. Um, I gave a 2-1 score prediction for the game. I went positive. Benjamin thought that Ipswich are going to lose 1-0. So let's have a chat, mate. Quickly, fire over your score prediction for the game. Pompey Ipswich, what's it going to be? I wouldn't ever bet against Pompey in a, in a game on the pod. So I'll go with a 2-0 Pompey win. I think the mentality of Ipswich at the moment, there's definitely a negative feel around the club. Uh, Lambert's obviously not having the best time of it, going a little bit whole can of crazy against the media. Um, oh, I think if we can, yeah, get on top early on and kind of put that pressure on, I think they're one of the sides that have, have the potential to crack under that pressure. So hopefully I'm not going to look like I'm eating my words next week, but I'll go with, I think I'm going to go with 3-1 Pompey. I think we'll get at them. Cool. Cool. Love that. 3-1. You change it then, then. 3-1 Pompey. Yeah, I'm going 3-1. Okay. Okay. I like that. I like that. 
that's your instinct go with your gut all right Pompey fans thank you so much for listening cheers Andy as always being on the podcast and until next time go and donate some money to the Pompey Food Bank and play up Pompey you have been listening to the PO forecast for Pompey News Now available on SoundCloud Spotify and Apple Podcasts follow PO forecast and Pompey News Now on Twitter for more information And there is the full-time whistle!